Absolutely. We're going to go to the book of Job, in the book of Job again tonight, chapter number 34, Job 34. Job chapter 34. And we'll begin our reading there in verse number 1. And I'm going to read down about 12 verses, and then just we'll pray and, and get started. Just leave your Bible open there. We're going to look at some more of these verses in this chapter. Job 34, verse number 1. Furthermore, Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, O ye wise men, and give ear unto me, ye that have knowledge. For the ear trieth words, as the mouth tasteth meat. Now, I thought that was quite a statement. I had to go back and read that a few times and just ponder on it for a while. But that is a really good statement. I tell you, if we would let our ears work, like our mouth works as far as taste goes, we would probably understand a lot more. No, I'm, I'm telling you, we, li- we live in a time where, man, things just go right through and we don't even think about anything. I, I just thought it was a great, I mean, of course it's God's word, but for the ear trieth words as the mouth tasteth meat. Anyway, that's not going to be the message, but man, that's a great, great statement from God. Verse number four, let us choose to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job has said, I am righteous, and God hath taken away my judgment. Should I lie against my right? My wound is incurable without transgression. What man is like Job, who drinketh up scorning like water, which goeth in company with the workers of iniquity, and walketh with wicked men? For he hath said, It profiteth a man nothing that he should delight himself with God. Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of man shall render unto him, uh, the work of a man shall render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. Yea, Surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. I couldn't think of any better title for the message tonight than this. God is always right. Well, I know that's a really good thing to just have ingrained in your mind and heart. God is always right and keep us out of a lot of trouble. And I think that uh, God has something to say about that tonight. So let's pray. We'll get going. Father, we thank you for the service thus far, for the good singing, for the good spirit. And Lord, I know that uh, it's already been a busy week. People are tired. They're consumed with life's details. That's just pretty normal. So we ask that you'd help us to set aside the cares of our lives, the cares of this world, and focus upon your word tonight, uh, Lord, that you would give us something Um, that would help us, that you would give us something that we could chew on, maybe even for days to come, that you would speak to us through your word tonight. And Lord, uh, that, that, (laughs) that, that we might walk out of here a little bit more prepared for what tomorrow may bring. We thank you for your goodness and grace and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. 
for the reading of the Word of God. And please do go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> when we uh, last visited the book of Job, chapter number 33, we saw where Elihu corrected Job's thinking on the silence of God. Um, Job had questioned God. He had asked him why he had gone through all that he had. And it seemed to Job that God had just flat out refused to answer him. Why didn't God answer me? God's just ignoring me. He's not paying any attention to me. And because of that, because of that very thing that he just felt like God didn't, wasn't going to answer him, Job began to resent the silence of God. He resented the silence of God. Now, no, no, grab hold of that. He resented the silence of God. Well, God needs to speak to me. Well, I guess if he's not speaking to you, he's not ready yet. Or maybe you're not ready yet for what he has to say to you. Come on, our God is gracious, merciful, loving, kind, forgiving, long-suffering. He's our Heavenly Father. He loves us more than we can even understand. No, no, no. And He knows when we need to hear and when we don't need to hear. I mean, that's, a, that's just a great thing. He began to resent the silence of God. Don't resent the silence of God. Sometimes it's good just to bask in it. I mean, just sit. We've become, an, we've become a, a, a people that can't just sit and think and, and, and just sit in silence and think about the goodness of God and the grace of God. and Just wait on God to speak to us. We read our Bible, we do a little praying, immediately we pick up smartphone, number one addiction in the world now. And we just got to be doing something all the time. I, I'm telling you, it'd be good for us just to learn how to be quiet and listen to God for a while. I, anyway, so as that resentment in Job's life, as it festered and it grew, then the justice and the uh, goodness of God came into question by Job himself. He's questioning the goodness of God and the justice of God. And reasoning in his own mind, which is dangerous to do at times, he became convinced that since he did nothing wrong to deserve the trials that uh, uh, he had gone through, then it was God in the wrong for allowing them to happen. We have to be careful, don't we? No, no, come on, we have to be careful. We'll be blaming God. <clears throat> So Elihu continues on, and that's what he addresses in this chapter. And he, and he goes on to defend God against the charge of injustice. He, he starts out by identifying the three allegations that Job had made. Uh, the first one was in verse 5 there, uh, where it says, For God hath said, uh, I'm sorry, for Job hath said, I am righteous, and God hath taken away my judgment. Excuse me. So Job claimed to be righteous, and that he had done uh, that which was right in the sight of God. Was that true? Oh, absolutely so. By God's own testimony. He, he was a man that feared God and skewed evil. I mean, by God's own testimony. Yes, that's true. But then number two, he accuses God of denying him justice. Uh, I mean, that last part of verse number five there, we, we saw it. Uh, God had taken away my judgment. So he, he, he accuses God of denying him justice. God would not have allowed him to suffer. Here's Job's thinking. God had, would have not allowed him to suffer like he had if God truly was a just God. No, this is what his thinking is. And let me tell you something. No, no, look up here. That's a very serious charge. Because not in so many words, Job had said that we cannot trust God to do what is right in our lives. 
No, in so many words, that's what he said. We just can't trust God to do what's right in our life. What? No, no, that's a dangerous place to get. Come on. Okay, remember the title. God is always right. He's always right. And then in the number three is found down in uh, verse number nine. Let me get there. For he hath said, it profiteth a man nothing, Job had said, this is a lie who's speaking, for he has said, it profiteth a man nothing, that he should delight himself with God. So Job had made a claim that living a life that was pleasing to God had proven to be useless in his life. That's a sad place to get. And, and we have to be on guard. You young people, please listen to me. You, you're going to have to be on guard. You're, you're doing things the way that you should do things. You're going forward for God. You're reading your Bible. You're praying. You're doing the things that are right to do. And it's like, why do I even do this? Because we have a loving, caring God. Well, you know, but I'm doing all this, and it just doesn't seem to be making any difference. This doesn't seem to be doing any good. You're wrong. I do all of this, and then, then people turn on me. Well, you might as well get used to that. That's just part of growing up. That's just part of life. It's just the way that it is. No, no, no. God is always right, and it is always good, and it's always right to continue to do exactly what God would have you do, to live exactly the way that God would have you to live. Never get to thinking that what you're doing doesn't matter, doesn't matter to God, or hasn't paid off for you, it's just useless or whatever. That is not the truth. It never is the truth. God hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forsaken you. It's not like he's just like, well, I hope that they can do something down there. God is there, and he knows what's going on. But Job had gotten to this place where he just thought it just proved useless for him, all the things that he had done. So in this chapter, chapter number 34, Elihu's going to answer these first two claims. And he addresses the third in chapter number 35, and we'll get there another time. Anyway, starting in verse number 10, we see uh, Elihu uh, doing what Job had failed to do. Well, what's that, preacher? Well, he was defending the character of God. No, no, no. Job didn't do that. But Elihu starts doing that. He's going to defend the character of God. And he makes it clear uh, to Job that his doubting, that Job's doubting the justice of God is very unreasonable. Because God is just. And God is good. And then through the rest of the chapter, he tells Job and the friends that are there three reasons that they can believe in the just character of God. These three reasons. Number one is this. God is not holy if he is not just. God is not holy if he is not just. Now look at verse number 10 there. It says, Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding. Elihu's still speaking here. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty, that he should commit iniquity. So, we have to understand this. Being just, we're talking about God being a just God. Being just means to act in accordance to what is morally correct. To act in accordance with what is morally correct. Uh, okay, let me say it this way. To uphold the principles of law that we're going to do right. We're going to do it the right way. And we're going, to let it, we're, going to let, we're going to let we're going to let that direct us in that way. And whether it be man or whether it be God, justice demands that a person do right. I said, whether it be a man or whether it be God, 
justice demands that a person do the right thing. But justice also demands being held accountable to the requirements of the law. You you do understand that as born-again believers, that one of these days, or well, even now, we really are held accountable for what we know. No, no, with God, we really are held accountable with what we know in the Bible. He, expre- he really does expect us to live our lives according to that, according to what is morally right. And that book is morally right. And He really does expect, I mean, we are, we are held accountable to, to the requirements of the law. But not for salvation. No, we know better than that. We're saved by grace through faith. We understand all that. But I'm talking about living a life that is going to be pleasing to God. So if God is not just, then he is not the holy God that the Bible declares him to be. The, the, the inability to sin, we know, is an essential attribute of God. God cannot sin. There's no way, shape, or form. If God can sin, then God is no better than you and me. And we know better than that. God is holy and righteous and pure. One Bible commentator said this. I I thought it was great. He said, quote, An unjust God would be as unthinkable as a square circle or a round triangle. Oh, that's good stuff there, I'm telling you. An unjust God would be as unthinkable as a square circle or a round triangle. I'm telling you, our God is just. Our God is right. We shouldn't even think of him any other way. And then number two, if God is not just, then no real justice exists. No, no, come on. If our God is not just, then no real justice exists anywhere. God renders to men according to their ways. Verse number 11 there. For the work of man shall he render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. Um, Men will do wickedly, but God never will. We see that in verse number 12 there. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. We know this, that people um, people are prone to pervert justice in a lot of different ways. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, I've taken bribes or telling lies to avoid being punished or taking that which does not belong to them, and the list could go on there. But God cannot and will not do as such. God's never going to do anything like that. Come on, God's not underhanded. God's not hiding up there saying, well, I can get by with this and I can get by with that. That is not our God. Not, not at all. Our God is perfect. Okay, here's the point. Here's the point. There is never a guarantee of justice from others, is there? Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Think for me for a second. I'm talking about people that are out there. There is never a real guarantee of justice from other people, is there? We have no real guarantee. No, no, no. A person can turn like that, can't they? I mean, a person that, that appears godly and right and all, I'm telling you, I mean, just like that, they can turn in a different direction. There's no guarantee uh, that, 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 that there's going to be justice from a person or, 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 or even from ourselves to others. 
Well, preacher, I try to do the best I can. And we ought to really continue to try to do the very best we can. But I'm telling you, uh, we're prone to do wrong too, aren't we? Come on, we're prone to allow circumstances to cause us to make bad decisions, aren't we? And bad statements and, and to do things that are contrary to what we should do. Sure, absolutely so. So the thing is, if we cannot, uh, if we cannot count on God to be just, then it just doesn't exist. He's the epitome of justice. God is. And even though God will eventually render to all according to their ways, get this, please get this, He is not bound to immediately give men what they deserve. Now I want you to get that because we're going to continue on that thought. I want, so I want you to get that. Even though God will one day eventually render to everybody according to their ways. God is not bound to immediately give men what they deserve. Look at verse number 13. It says, Who hath given him a charge over the earth? Or who hath disposed the whole world? If he set his heart upon man, if he gather unto himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again unto dust. So God sits in judgment over the world. The world does not sit in judgment of God. That's, no, that's a good statement. God sits in judgment over the world. The world does not sit in judgment over God. It's not like I would, that's not like I would judge God, preacher. Oh, no? How about something like, well, if God would just, well, I've been waiting for God, but he can't. Oh, no, 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 no. God is always right. And it will help us if we'll remember that. Young people, old people, all of us, it will help us if we remember that. God is always right. We don't sit in judgment over him. He sits in judgment over this whole world because he's God and we're not. And if God decided to judge the world, listen to me, please. If God decided to judge the world once and for all, I mean, if he just decided, man, I've had it. I'm just going to judge the whole world. If he decided to do that once and for all, uh, everyone would just instantly perish. Because he's God and we're not. Now, we know he's not going to do that. He's a just, fair, honest, wonderful, loving God. We, we understand that. But if he decided. Let me read a portion of Scripture to you out of Romans chapter 10. Uh, Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 10 and following. The Bible says this, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses, first Moses saith, 
I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. So here's the point. Yes, God is just, without a doubt. But God is also merciful. Somebody should have said amen right there. God is also merciful, and he gives the people, uh, he gives people the time and the chances to change their ways. Hallelujah. I'm very thankful for that, Brother Jim, I'm telling you. That's our God. That is our God. Is it true for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Absolutely so. No doubt whatsoever. Do people always get saved the first time they hear the truths of the gospel and know that they can call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save their soul? No, they don't. A lot of times it is months and months and even years and years before somebody truly trusts Christ. They've heard the gospel. They've heard the truth. They continue to live any way they want to live, do whatever they want to do. They go on and on and on and on. And our God remains long-suffering. Our God remains merciful. He's just waiting for them to turn to Him, to trust Christ as their Savior. I'm telling you, that is our God. So thankful for that. Sure, sure. No, no, no. It's not like, no, no. God is always right. And it's not like he is just some God that's looking to thump everybody in the head every chance he gets just to wipe people out. That is not our God. Okay, case in point. The uh, human form of government is far from perfect. (laughs) Very true. And since they are far from perfect, God must be perfect. He must be perfect. Okay, look at verse number 16. We're doing good here. Really are. Verse 16. If now thou hast understanding, hear this. Um, I'm sorry. Hearken to the voice of my words. That is a good start right there. If our government would listen to the words of God... Everything would be different in the United States of America. It would be different. We know that. Come on, come on. God is always right. He's always right. And if they would just listen, if they would just hearken. Men, and, but here's the, here's the point. Stay on, stay on track here. Men who hate what is right do end up rising up in government, don't they? Oh, come on, we've seen it so clearly in just the past months. And it just seems to get worse and worse, Brother Leo. I mean, in fact, he addresses that. Verse 17, shall even he that hateth right govern? Well, yeah. And wilt thou condemn him that is most just? Look at verse number 18. Let's go on. Verse number 18. It is fit to say to a king, uh, is it fit to say to a king, Thou are wicked, and to princes, ye are ungodly. Kings and princes are, were supposed to govern righteously. They were supposed to govern right. Kings and princes, they, they were supposed to govern in God's way, the way that they should. But there's a lot who are in power in this world that govern um, in a very unrighteous character don't they? Come on. Our elected officials, 
It is supposed to work this way, that we, we, uh, uh, we elect the best official for that office, for that position. They take uh, oath to do what is right in the sight of God and what is right for our country and best for the United States citizens. Uh, but we don't see that a whole lot, do we? Come on, I know there's some good ones. Hallelujah for those ones that are standing for what is right. But for the most part, even in the highest offices, there's a lot of wickedness, isn't there? And they just continue to do whatever they want to do, don't they? And we pray for our country, and we pray for those officials, and we pray and we ask God, please God, we need something different. We want to see you move. But they continue on in the same way, in the same way, in the same ugliness, and reading the paper every day, and it just seems to get uglier and uglier and uglier. Look at verse 19. No, explains it. How much less to him that accepteth not the persons of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. So we know this, many of our earthly leaders favor the rich and the powerful, but God doesn't. That's what the verse 19 said. That's how come that Politicians that make $140,000 a year can be worth millions of dollars because they favor the rich and the powerful. Come on, I'm telling you, isn't this an amazing book? I mean, this is absolutely amazing. It's almost like God knew exactly how people were going to be, Brother John. Exactly how things were going to work. I mean, just lines it out right here. Look, no, 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 don't, don't let me lose you here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if, if, if God can lay out things like that, if they're going to happen, even in government, I mean, doesn't it make sense that since He's a loving, caring, heavenly Father, doesn't it make sense that all these other stuff that's in this book has to be good for you and me? Come on, if He knows how the way that government was going to end up working out, He probably knew the way that you and I were going to end up working out too. And he gave us this book, and it's full of all kinds of truths that if we will just take them and live by them and practice them in our life, our life will get better and better and better. I'm the, there may be times, there may be hard times, there may be lean times, there may be tough times, there may be times and we wonder what in the world that God is doing, but God is always right, God is always good, God will always direct us in the right way for our life that is going to work out best for us in the end. And that's why we listen to him now. I mean, that's why, that's why we care about what he says now. I mean, wherever we're at in our life, whatever age we are in our life, we listen to what God has to say. And God, no, 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 God addresses the very young, and he addresses the very old, and he addresses everyone in between, doesn't he? And whatever he says to do, it's always right. It's always right. Always right. We, we, we know, just looking right here in the United States of America, that government can be imperfect, that government can be unjust. We see that very clearly. If God is not governing this world any better than those in worldly government, then we have no hope of finding justice anywhere in this universe. But I'm telling you, God is just. And even though the whole world seems to be falling apart at times, God is still there for us. And then the third thing. If God is not just, 
Now, I want you to get this. Now, we're, we're doing great, really. If God is not just, then the wicked will never answer for their sins against their fellow man. Now, I want you to get this, because I'm telling you, we get in our heads sometimes. Well, I tell you, when are they going to get theirs? They'll get theirs. Well, I'm telling you, people, they got me, and what am I supposed to do when people do me wrong like that? Pray for them. Now, that's pretty much what Jesus said, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere in the Bible. We're supposed to pray for them. Well, what good is that going to do? Well, God can get at them a lot better than you or me can get at them. And so we're trusting Him. That whether, no, 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 listen to me. Whether they are judged still while they're breathing air on God's earth, or whether they're judged afterwards, they will be judged. Because God is just. And God is right. And He will take care of those things. Please don't act like this isn't an important point. I'm telling you, this would take so much off of our shoulders if we just believe it. It would help us to sleep better at night when things happen in our life, if we just believe that. If we just left it in God's hands. I mean, if we just, I'm telling you, Lord, I don't know why this has happened the way that it's happened, but I know that you are just and you are right and you, you are in control. And Lord, I just want you to have your perfect will and way done. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this could be a big, big help in a lot of people's lives if they would just believe that, hey, one of these days, those people that have done us wrong, they're going to pay for it. We don't have to lose sleep over that. Brother Terry, we don't have to lose a wink of sleep over that. We don't have to let bitterness build up in our heart. We don't have to get. We don't have to let this unforgiveness just continue to knot up our stomach. I, I'm telling you, God is faithful. He is good, and He is always right, and He's going to take care of that in the end. I, I'm telling you, that's a great, great truth that that we can live with with the rest of our life. <clears throat> Okay, think about this. There could definitely be an argument that wicked men like, uh, like uh, Joseph Stalin and uh, Adolf Hitler and Osama bin Laden uh, rightfully got what they deserved. I said there could be an argument that they rightfully got what they deserved. What do you mean, preacher? Well, all of them are dead. And they deserved to be dead. No, we're talking about wicked people. They rightfully got what they deserved. And, and, and the memory of them is held in disrespect by those that are good because of what they did. No, 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 come on. We're talking about some horrible men here. And the argument could be they got what they deserved. But think about this for a minute. Please think about this. Please stay with me. There was never really a time that they answered for their sins. No, the three I, I mentioned. There was never really a time that they answered for their sins while they were here. Hitler never had to stand before anybody and answer for the death of six million Jews. And bin Laden never was made to answer for those who died in 9-11, the attack on the Twin Towers in New York, or even the thousands of good men and women who have died uh, fighting the war against terrorists since that. And Joseph Stalin was, was responsible for the deaths of as many as 20 million of his own people. That's mind-blowing. 
I want to stay on track here. You ought to read about Stalin sometime. I'll just leave it at that because it's, anyway. And a lot of people looked up to him when they buried him. After that. And he never had to stand before anybody and answer for that while he was here. And then we can think about the lesser criminals, the criminals, them criminals. <laughs> we can think about the lesser criminals that have gone unpunished. And really, if we think about it, there's a lot of them that are living good lives. No, no, I mean people that are dishonest and I mean have done terrible things, but they're still living good lives right here on this earth. I'm not going to take time to make a list. You could make that list. And you think about this. If our God is not just, then they will never be held accountable for the things that they have done. If our God is not just. But no, no, there's answers here. There's answers. Stay with me. Please stay with me. But God's justice is based upon his omniscience. God's justice is based upon what? His all-knowingness. He knows everything that Adolf Hitler did. He knows everything that Osama bin Laden did. He knows everything that Joseph Stalin did and every other wrong that's been done. He knows. There's nothing that escapes the knowledge of God. Nothing. Oh, look at verse 21. For his eyes are upon the ways of man. And he seeth all his goings. There's no darkness, nor shadow of death, where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. I'm telling you, nothing escapes the knowledge of God. He sees it all. We think we can get in private and do something that we shouldn't be doing, that we're getting by with something. You're not getting by with anything. God sees it all. And if God punishes someone, please please say this. If God punishes someone, they cannot say that their punishment is unfair. Where do you get that? Verse 23, it's right there. For he will not lay upon man more than right, that he should enter into uh, judgment with God. God's not going to be unfair. God's not going to be unjust. Uh, uh, no, no, no. If, if, if someone suffers punishment from God, I, I'm telling you, no, no, no. They cannot say that it's unfair. Because God doesn't make mistakes. He knows exactly what He's doing. And, and there's not one that is so powerful that they will escape God's justice in the end. Nobody's going to escape that. Boy, I got by with that, they say, once they're dead. Uh, no, you didn't. You didn't. Look at verse 24. He shall break in pieces mighty men without number and set others in their stead. Therefore he knoweth their works and he overturneth them in the night so that they are destroyed. So justice is coming. There is not, please get this, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm right at the end, I really am. There, there is not a cry for justice that goes unheard or ignored. Please get this. I don't even want to pray about this stuff. Because there is not a cry 
for justice that goes unheard or ignored by God. Look at verse 26. He striketh them as wicked men in the open sight of others because they turned back from him and would not consider any of his ways. I'm telling you, God knows what's going on. And he will take care of these things. And no act of God's justice can ever be overturned. It won't be. Come on, verse 28. Verse 28. So that they caused the cry of the poor to come unto him, and he heareth the cry of the, uh, of the afflicted. When he giveth quietness, who then can make trouble? And when he hideth his face, back up there in verse 29, when he giveth quietness, who then can make trouble? And when he hideth his face, who then can behold him, whether it be done against a nation or against a man only? That, that the hypocrite reign not, lest the people be ensnared. No act of God's justice can ever be overturned. He is going to take care of these things. And he's going to do it the right way. We don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> so I'm going to close with this when we do not see in this world in our lifetime the justice that wrongdoing and sin demand then ladies and gentlemen, we must be content to wait for the day that a very just God will bring all these things into light and He will settle the books of human history and He will give unto every person according to their ways. That takes a lot of weight off our shoulders. We'll let it. I'm glad I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, those that have received Jesus Christ as their Savior are on the way to heaven, not hell. That by itself is good enough, ain't it? Wonderful. I mean, we're on our way to eternal life. We're living eternal life, not eternal death. We're on our way to deliverance, not judgment. We've trusted Christ. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life that demanded no punishment. And still he suffered for the injustice of this whole world. Jesus did. And offered his life a sacrifice for our sins. And that made a way to escape the judgment of God. And to freely receive from him that which we can never earn. He paid the price for it. We can't earn it. So in the remaining verses, and we're not going to take time to read all of them, don't get nervous. Elihu gives us three practical ways to respond to this truth. Three practical ways, very quickly. Number one, when God does not punish us for wrongdoing, I'm sorry, when God does punish us for wrongdoing, we should accept it. 
And we should be willing to be changed by it. Come on, if we've done wrong, we deserve it. And we should accept it. And let God change us by that. A truly repentant heart not only confesses to sin, but wants to stop sinning. Oh, that's a great statement. A a truly repentant heart not only confesses to their sin, but they want to stop sinning. Real repentance. Number two. When we are unsure as to what God is doing in our lives, we should ask Him, we should ask God, to teach us what we need to learn from it. Lord, I don't know what you're trying to do here. Well, then you need to ask Him to teach you to learn from it. Come on, too many times we just get, too many times we just, we, we get discouraged, we get downhearted, we get frustrated. Instead of truly seeking God through this time and asking Him to teach us what we need to learn through all of that. Because He is, no, no, He is trying to do something in our life. If the suffering in our lives is being used by God to reveal sin, we should be very open to see what that is, and we should ask God for the help that we need to, 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 to get it out of our lives, whatever it is. Lord, help me with this. Come on, faith is the victory. He can help us with those bad addictions. He can help to give us good addictions. Sure. And then number three, lastly. We, please get this one. We are in the wrong when we expect God to render justice on our terms. We are in the wrong when we expect God to render justice on our terms. I don't know how you've ever got caught up in something like this, but there was a time... that I got so sick and tired of the destruction that sin was causing in someone's life. And and the people that were a part of that destruction and the sin that was messing up this person's life, that I prayed, not that it's right, that I prayed, Lord, just kill them. Just kill them. They're destroying this person's life. Nothing good is going to come out of this. Lord, just kill them. Now, you ain't ever getting a flesh like that. But I mean, I was asking God and I was serious about it. Very serious about it. Guess what? God didn't kill him. Because he knew better how to handle things than I did. No, no, no. We 
we can't expect to God. Uh, we can't expect God to render justice on our terms. We must. We must. We must. We must be willing to accept His terms and His timing. Why come, preacher? Because God is always right, no matter whether we can see it or not. God is always right. So we have to be committed to do what we know to do. I mean, those things that are in accordance to the truth of the Word of God and the rest of the character of God. We, no, 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 listen. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right. We, we have to be committed to do what we know to do. I'm telling you, uh, most all of us would live a much better life if we would just be committed to know what we, uh, to do what we know to do. We'd live a much better Christian life. If we were really committed to do all of that, much better life. And in the end, when everything is said and done, we will see that God did no one wrong and that he made zero mistakes. I don't know why God let that happen. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you. In the end, we'll see that God did no one wrong. He made zero mistakes. Guarantee you. He will have done exactly, exactly what a holy and just God should do. And that is our hope of true justice. God is always right. And God is always good. What we need to do is we just need to learn to trust Him more. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. That's a good prayer, ain't it? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for being such a great, gracious, just God. And certainly, I've had my own struggles in life. And Lord, I know that there's going to probably be times that I do it again because of things in other people's lives and even my own life. And I would ask you even tonight that you would help me Lord, to trust you more, to depend upon you, to lean upon you, to be strong in you. And Father, then I pray for the people of Riverside Baptist Church, the same prayer. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to you. Help us to trust you more. Help us, dear God. Help us, please. However, you may have spoken to hearts tonight. I just pray folks would yield to you there may be someone here struggling with the injustice that has been done to them. Help them, Lord, tonight to cast all their care upon you because you do care for them. Bless these next few minutes of invitation time. We pray, please, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet for a moment. Some have already made it to the altar. Some